All right. If you have your Bibles, um, grab those. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8 is hard over the last months. Uh, as I've shared, getting back from a sabbatical and just time away, um, all of these messages, all of the scriptures that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, weeks and even today in the next couple weeks is just uh, set to that reality of trust. Like, are, are we going to trust him as the men and women of God? Uh, wherever he would lead us, whatever he would say to us, the direction that he would uh, have for us, will we trust him? And, and so that's the question pretty much that I, I want to lay before you. Do, do you trust God? And I would venture to say that the majority of us in this room would say, yes, we trust him until he starts to press in certain areas. And still he, until he starts to kind of just poke around in some places that maybe uh, uh, we're just not quite ready to relinquish reign and rule in our own uh, life. And then it gets a little bit difficult to kind of uh, pry our hands off of in the moment. His word and what he has pressed on the heart here for us to be as his people. And we follow headlong in that. And so one of the things that we looked at last week uh, was simply this, was discipleship. Because I believe for us as a church, our vision and mission hinges on the reality of what a disciple is. And will we live out the calling of a, a disciple in Christ? Which is uh, the calling for everybody who comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Like, like you don't get saved and then just sit and, and not continue to grow and mature and progress. You don't get saved and then, okay, I've done my, done my thing, now I'm good to go. And my fear is so often in the church, that's what happens. Like we, and what we're going to share this morning and talk about this morning is kind of like, well, we do that a little bit and, and God does the work of saving and rescuing and redeeming. And then he hands over to us and says, all right, let's, let's go church, let's do this. And, and I believe we as a church have punted on that. We've sidestepped on what Christ has called us to be about and to do just as men and women of Jesus. And so we're going to look. Look at that hardcore this morning, but before we can uh, really get our minds and hearts around the vision of, of who we are as a people here at New Life, I just want to visit real fast again uh, what we said a disciple is. And so disciple is a very hot topic, is a very trendy type uh, topic and word, especially in the church world today. And so uh, uh, there's so many definitions. The verse that we looked at was a very simplistic verse that you've probably heard over and over and over in your life. Matthew 4, 19, where Jesus looks at him and says, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. As simplistic and as easy as that verse is, I believe for us, what Jesus did in that moment is outline what a disciple looks like. And the first component of a disciple is this, is follow me. The invitation has been given to be a part of. And what do they do? They accept. So, so, the, so the first component of a disciple is you've got to be born again. You have to be saved. You have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now my fear is there's, there's a lot of us that know Jesus, but we don't know him as Lord and Savior. We haven't handed over uh, uh, the rules and reign of our heart. That we've said a little prayer, we've done a little jig, we got the t-shirt, maybe even got dunked and we've went on our way. Never to truly believe in who Jesus Christ was. See ourselves as sinful, lost, and in great, great need of a Savior. And so the first component of discipleship is being born again, being saved. The second component is this, is, is when he says, I will make you, is being changed. So you're saved and then you're being changed. And, and all I know is this, is that Jesus loves us far too much to leave us where he found us. Far, far too much. And if you can look at your life and there's not major differences from the, for today from when you got saved, unless salvation has been recent, if there's not some major changing 
in who you are, the way you think, the way you act, the way that you live, the, 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 the desires of who, what's in your heart. And then I just lovingly challenge, are you His? Are you His? Because when Jesus gets a hold of you, when He starts to work on that heart, He starts to work on the desires, He starts to work on the loves, and He starts to change and shape and mold you in what? To the image of His glorious Son. So that's the second component of discipleship. And the third one is this, is fishers of men. Now we're on mission with Jesus. So we're born again, we're saved. We are being changed, and then we're on mission with Christ. What did Jesus do in this story here in Matthew 4? I mean, he changed their very direction in life, their very purpose in life. And the same thing goes for us. The same thing goes for us as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now we're on mission with him. Remember the way we think, the way we talk, the way we look at things. It's for this sole purpose, what, to go make disciples of all nations. To go make disciples of all nations. To, to join in relationally with other people. And it's not one of those things, and because I know so often as a church, we just keep piling it on and piling it on and piling. I mean, this is not a pile on thing. This is that, that, that command or uh, the commissioning of discipleship over in Matthew 28. Go make disciples. It's as you are going, so as you're living your life, as you're living in your community, as you go to work, as, you, as you're in your circle of influences, in those places. And yeah, there needs to be times where we branch out and we go. But as you are living life and doing life where you do life and where you live, go make disciples there. Go make disciples. So it's not another piling on of, signing up for. This, this is as you live your life. The whole mission and desire and heart of mission and purpose. And God has put me here and done this in me here at this place for this purpose. So that I can be a light in a dark world. So I can show and walk with and point out. And so for us, that's what a disciple is. That's what we believe wholeheartedly what a disciple is. Now this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at what we're to do. What we're to be about. How that, what that means for us here at New Life as disciples. And the way that we're going to do that is look at our vision and mission. And so today we're going to look at vision. So I'm going to ask you if you join me as we pray. And then we'll, we'll get to jumping into Acts here in just a moment. Father, speak in this place. Oh God, I pray that you would speak. Make your presence known like none other. God, I just want to just beg of you to save the lost. I want to beg of you to convict those in sin. God, I want to beg of you to encourage the heart that needs it. I want to just ask you to just do a mighty, mighty work in this place. And God, may be all for your glory, all for your honor. God, help us. God, help us hear what you have to say. God, the guy on the stage this morning needs you desperately. And Father, I don't want to be a guy that just says it and preaches it and proclaims it and walks away and lives a different, different way. So God, help me hear what you have to say to us in this place. Help me be serious and live out what you've commissioned for us as a church. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And, and so what we're going to look at, like I said, is, is vision. And I just, I just want to say this because sometimes whenever we talk about vision, we kind of uh, tend to, to, to go light on it and to be very, very careful and cautious and try to, try to play it safe and set the bar real low so, so, so we don't fail or, or so God don't fail. So, so, that, so that we feel better or the church doesn't look bad. We'll kind of do things like that. But, I, but church, I just want to tell you this, that if, if God has given a vision, failure isn't an option. That would have been a great place for an amen. Hang with me, I'll get you there. If God gives the vision and God ordains it, anoints it, and blesses it, it's not, failure's not an option. 
I mean, I mean, look at us, 2021, where we're sitting. And when did the church start? What has the church been through? You think it's bad in our day? I mean, this is nothing compared to. If God ordains something, it's going to come to fruition. It's going to happen. He's going to see it through. Failure is not an option. And so, so we need to understand that as a church. We need to understand that as a people. And I'm not saying that New Life Baptist Fellowship will last, the, uh, last here forever. There may be a day where our door shuts. Uh, there may be a day that we cease to exist here at this place. But that doesn't mean that God's failed. That doesn't mean that God hasn't followed through with. I mean, we're part of the big C church. The universal church. That's who we're part of. And that has stood the test of time. And it's going to t- continue to stand the test of time. And, and there is nothing, nothing that can snuff it out. There is nothing that can stop it. There is nothing that can silence it. There is nothing that can, can eradicate it. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care how bad it gets. And I don't care how fearful it, things are made to be. The church don't stop. The church don't die. And, and we're a living testament of that here today in our world. And we're going to continue to be a living testament of that in our world. So the vision for us is, is we want to reach our world. We don't want to just reach uh, Bowling Springs Inman. We don't want to just reach the upstate. We don't want to just reach the state. We don't, we don't want to just re- reach the regions and the states beside us. We don't want to just stop in the U.S. We want to take this thing to the nations. Why? Because God has called us to take it to the nations. And we're going to see that here in a few minutes. And so we want to have big vision. We, we want to look at it through God's size lens, not our size lens. So why is this the vision for us here? And I believe it's because we see this just revealed in the heart of God all throughout the scriptures. God does what? Comes to seek and to save, does he not? He sends his son Jesus to rescue and redeem. So God's heart is to see people come to know him as Lord and Savior. God's heart is to see people bow their hearts to them. We see him go after fall, man, what? To, to offer pardon and forgiveness of sin. That's the rescue mission of Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the heart of God to redeem and make right what has been broken. And the beautiful thing about the church and us as believers and disciples is that he is invited. Broken down, busted up, disobedient, rebellious us. I mean, he, I mean, he could paint messages in the sky. He could have the rocks cry out. The trees could grow mouths and talk and proclaim of. And trust me, they would listen a whole heck of a lot better than we do. I'm just saying. I mean, have you noticed that in Scripture? Like, like the elements of this world obey far better than we do. Listen to the voice of God far better than we do. Does what he says far, far better than we do. And he still pursues and comes after and uses us. And what a privilege and honor to be able to partner with him to share the good news of the gospel and team with him, to see him rescue and redeem. Not us. We don't get God complexes because it's not us. The results are not on us. The results are on God, and he's the one that saves, and he's the one that adds to, and he's the one that does. We just get to be obedient vessels. Used for. Used for. So, so Acts 1.8, here, here's the verse that we... The whole purpose of the book of Acts is, is found here in this one verse at the beginning of Acts. This is the start of the church. Church, this is our roots. This is where we come from. We're here today because of this reality, what happened and took place in this verse on this day. 
And I believe we've been commissioned with the same responsibility as those believers here as they start to witness. And look at what it says, Acts 1.8. If you don't have your scriptures, it'll be on the screen for you. But this is, what, this is what God's Word says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So for us as believers, this is what we believe here. For us as believers, the moment that we're born again, the moment of salvation, we have the Holy Spirit indwell us. We are a possessed people. And God puts His Spirit in us to lead us, to guide us, to do some amazing works in us. And so now when we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, we get to be a little bit nervous about that. But I believe we should rather be excited and expect enough. There's nothing to fear over the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, whatever background you come from, wherever you're at. I mean, I was a Holy Ghost guy growing up. Yeah, I'm, I'm backwoods of West Virginia. We talked about the ghost, you know what I'm saying? And it got real in those backwoods sometimes. Praise God, hallelujah. But we need to know who the Holy Spirit is. We need to have an understanding, a right good understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. That's who the Holy Spirit is. It's not an it, it's not a they, it's not a, a force. It is a he and it is God. It, it is God. And I believe our lack of knowing who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, it wigs us out. It scares us. It freaks us out. And we become uncomfortable. And we like to always go to like those, those weird verses that we really don't know or understand. And we try to kind of like link it to that. But he is so much more. So much more. My fear is when we think of the Holy Spirit, what we do is we look at him like that crazy uncle that comes to the family reunion once a year. And you know crazy uncle's coming and you don't know what's going to happen, but you don't want to, you don't want to leave because you kind of maybe want to see. But you know something crazy and unexpected is going to happen, what he may say, what he may do. And so there's like, there's this nervous energy in that moment. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. No, no, the Holy Spirit is God. So he will never do, never act, never lead in a way that is contrary to God. That is contrary to the Godhead. And what's been outlined in the scriptures. Never. So the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and he tells you something contrary to the scriptures, you're wrong. Because he doesn't do that. No, he aligns himself perfectly with the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Perfectly to God's revealed word. Perfectly to God's revealed heart. Because he is God. And so the problem is, I believe, that we just don't really know much about him. And so we assume all the weird stuff and we get scared of. And when I say weird, I, I think we think it's weird because maybe we don't have categories for it or maybe because it just makes us uncomfortable. And so we receive that power when we're made alive in Jesus through faith. And, and I love that. Like, I love what he says there. But, but you will receive. That's what, that's, what, that's what Jesus promised. This is Jesus speaking. Who to his disciples there in that day? And I believe we can look at this, and I believe this stands the test of time, and we get to, we get to claim this and be a part of this. That, that we get the same promise made to us. We will receive holy, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And that happens at salvation. And so we see the power of the Holy Spirit all throughout the book of Acts. 
And I believe we see it in our day too. Maybe we don't recognize it or realize it or maybe we're not in tune with it, but we, we see it happen and play out here in the book of Acts in the early church. And what, how do we see that played out? Through boldness. The Holy Spirit gives boldness. Like, like if you, just hang with me for a second. Those disciples, those cowardly, scared, messed up men of God. I mean, I point this out all the time. I just think of Peter. I will die with you, Lord. Only to have what? A few moments later, denied him three times. Only to what? Fast forward in the story in the book of Acts to be proclaiming the awesome message of Jesus. To see over 3,000 saved on that day. To be beaten and imprisoned. Cowardly Peter don't do that on his own. They don't do that. That don't happen on his own power or his own desires or just hoping and wishing. You know, that's the Holy Spirit alive in him. That's God filling him with his presence. But what about this? In the book of Acts, you see prayer. And after prayer, the very, the very foundation of the place that they're in shakes. That's the Holy Spirit moving. The Holy Spirit does what? He gives wisdom. The things that they say and the things that they do, I mean, these are untrained men. They've, they've walked three, I mean, three, three years with Jesus. They're untrained. And even when they were with Jesus, well, they were constantly mess-ups, were they not? I mean, they were constantly failing the test and, and blowing it and, and, and messing up. And so what happens? The Holy Spirit gives wisdom. You see the sick are healed. All of these things take place because of the work of the Holy Spirit in them. It's because of the indwelling power of the Spirit. And hear me, church, I believe that we're no different. In accordance to God's word, and in accordance to the way that he has outlined it and he has shown us to be, we have access to that power as well. And so he goes on and says, and you will be my witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I, I just love that part. And what I want to say is this, this part with you will be my witness. Everyone in this place is being a witness whether you realize it or not. Every single one of us. You witness to and attest to something. And just like Eric said, by the way that you live, by the way that you talk, by the way that you respond, everything. You as a person is pointing to someone else. It's pointing people to somewhere. And it's either for the glory of God or for the glory of self. That's the only, that's the only way. God's kingdom or your kingdom. And so when we see this, this word here, witness... It's someone who tells the truth about something they know. Someone who tells the truth about something they know. And really, in, in, in this word wrapped up in its original language, it kind of carries with it this thought, this connotation of one who dies for their faith. Why? Because we know in the early church that's exactly what happens. And throughout time, that is what happens. People who claim the name, people who proclaim and witness of the glory, glory of our God, what, it doesn't always end well for them. So this hoopla about the prosperity gospel in our day, in our world, that, that God will only bless you, and if, if he's not blessing you, then he doesn't love you, or you're not, that's hogwash, because if that's the case, and he hated the men and women of Scripture. Because what do we know? They died because of their faith. They died as witnesses of Christ. I mean, you, you see that over and over and over in Scripture. Beheaded, thrown off the Temple Mount, beat to death. Fed the lions, lit on fire to burn as they, as they uh, lit the way into town. I mean, there, there's story after story after story about the men and women who take the name of Christ and who are witnesses. 
And so you will be my witness. So, so let, let's just talk for a second. Witness is one who tells. We've got to speak up. We, we have got to speak up. And, and I, I love what my man said here. Yes, our actions need to dictate and show and point to, absolutely. And then he followed it along and said what? I'm, I'm going to tell of Jesus. Holding the door for somebody coming in a store is not you being Christ-like. Well, maybe it is you being christ Yeah, you should hold the door. Uh, but, but it's got to go further than that is what I'm saying. You, you doing something nice for your neighbor, but you never echo the name of Jesus. You never uh, say the words of Christ. Then we've got to do more of that. We've, we've got to talk about it because just doing good, right, nice things doesn't necessarily uh, equate into proclaiming the gospel. Yes, we should live like that. Yes, we should be like that. But we've got to speak the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's no other name under, under heaven where man's saved. We've got to share and tell. We've got to. And I know the thought. I know the thought. We, we, we feel inadequate. We feel uh, uh, not prepared. We feel uh, there's tension. That we, all of those things, absolutely, yes, they're going to be there. But what? We've got the Holy Spirit living in us. Who's going to guide us? Who's going to fill us? Who's going to give us the words? One, one stat that I read here all the time, and you're going to get sick of it. You probably already are. The stat I came across years ago that says this, that 90%, 90% of people will die without ever sharing their faith. 90% of people, 90% of Christians, born-again believers, will die without ever sharing their faith. That blows my mind. Because for us as believers, the love of our life, the greatest desire of our heart is that of Jesus. And we won't share it with not one person. I just want to let that sit there for a second. Because you know how many people I told about my boy playing in a golf tournament yesterday? Do you know how many people I've talked to about sports this week? Do you know how many people I've shared about something in my life that's important this week? And it pales in comparison. In comparison, when it comes to echoing the name of Jesus or speaking out the name of Christ or the hope of the gospel. Church, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. And, and, and again, I, I know I, I've got all the excuses that you have too. Most of the time, it's motivated, motivated by fear. We don't want to be labeled, we don't want to come across as offensive, we don't want to be judgmental. Will we really know the answers to? We don't want to be labeled as those holy rollers. They're weird. I mean, they talk about the ghost. I don't want to be one of those guys. And we, we know the truth about him, that he is a liar, that he's a manipulator, that he's not good. We know that, but what happens? We believe it. We buy into it. You're right. Well, they asked the question I didn't know the answer to. Do you know how many questions I get asked constantly that I don't know the answer to? And, and I've been in this walking with the Lord for a while now. I've even got an education. My dad's there, so I've got to like pump that up a little bit. I mean, do you, we're not going to know all the answers. Well, we're not God, and he hasn't revealed every single little thing to us. And he hasn't outlined. Well, because we become puffed up. We just become arrogant in our knowledge, do we not? Uh, the more we... 
you know the dangerous we get, and not because we use it properly, because now we can use it as a weapon. And we can begin to think that we're something that we're not. And, and what I have learned in the church and in followers is that we are far more educated than we are, with our, than, than we are living out and doing our, the obedience in this room that is born again. The Holy Spirit dwells us as saints. And not witnessing and being silent. We, we are ushering in our silence however we like to justify it. And we're exclaiming to this lost world, to hell with you. To hell with you. There was a story I heard, and I'm probably going to blotch it up, but I know I've shared it here before. But, but that, that, that great magic or illusion show in Las Vegas, Penn and Teller. And after he finishes, he just says, I want to say thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for that. Though I don't believe this gospel that you preach and I don't believe in this God that you worship, I want to say thank you for having the boldness to be able to share and tell of what you believe. Because how horrific would it be if you believed everything in that book and you told no one about it? And the fact that you've stood here and you've shared that with me, even though I don't fall in that category and I don't believe that, I just want to say thank you so much for, for sharing what you believe. Church, that should be us. Who, our, their response is not on us. Again, God does the saving. God does the rescuing. We're not responsible for their response. We're responsible for our obedience. That's what we're responsible for. And the rejection at the end of the day is not of us. It's of who? It's of Jesus, not us. And sometimes I believe we take too much of that on us to think it's us. And it got to show me over and over and over. And what I would categorize as some of the worst sermons I've ever preached to most people, has, hearts has been opened up to that of Christ. Well, because it's not Scott with elegant words or great presentation or fancy illustrations, but it's in the simple proclamation of who Jesus Christ is and the working of the Holy Spirit to show. And I believe it's because God doesn't want me to think that I'm something. When the only thing I am is in him. And that's enough. So just look here for a moment at the bigness at the very end of this, this verse, the bigness of this vision. And church, this is why I said the world. And I believe we need to think this kind of scale. I think, yes, we want to hit our community. Yes, we want to share with the upstate. Yes, we want to get the states around us. Yes, we want to uh, take the U.S. on. But he says to the ends of the earth. That's what he commissions the early church with. And I know he's doing a work there to get the gospel out, to get churches out, to get the church out. But his heart is to save and to rescue. He, he's invited us in as, as his church, his people to do what? To be spreaders of the glorious news of the gospel. That's what he's called us to do. That's what he's invited us in. That's what he's commissioned us with. And so as we start to, to, to wind down, I just want to share one more portion of scripture with you. And there are tons of examples throughout the scriptures. But 2 Corinthians 5, 16. 2 Corinthians 5, if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians 5 is it will be. 16, we'll get there here in just a moment. It says, from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once received Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. What Paul's trying to do here is saying that, that, that we no longer evaluate people according to their external human standards, worldly standards. And then he goes on in 17 and says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The, the, the old value system, the old priorities, the old beliefs, the old loves, all of that is gone. 
Still, uh, sin is still present, but as the redeemed, we, we, we see things in a new perspective, in a new light. We're no longer controlled by the flesh. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Maybe you just need to hear that this morning. Maybe you need to believe that this morning, that if you are found in Jesus Christ, you're new, you're different, you're changed. You're alive, you're not dead. You've been given a new heart, a new, a new desire, a new purpose. You've been given all of those things. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old man's gone, he's dead, he's passed away. And behold, the new one has come. So there's new desires. There's a desire for holiness. There's a desire for the things of God. There's a desire for God's glory. That, that should be something that outlines who you are, what you think about, and what you run toward. Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. And, and so reconciliation is this really fancy, deep theological word. And, and it's the aspect of the gospel where separation and enmity between God and humanity caused by sin is ended. And the peace and renewed relationship is forever established through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's where we're made right again. It's where we're made whole. And he gave us the ministry in verse 18. Us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Who's us? Us as believers. Us as the church. So you sit here today. You don't have a ministry. You don't have a calling. You don't know the direction of your life. I, I can tell you right now, the scripture right there just said, the apostle Paul years ago just said, hey, hey, look, church, believers, this is not a spectator thing. Gathering in a building on a Sunday morning is not the end all. Though we should have a heart and a desire to gather to hear the word proclaimed, to be encouraged, to lift high the name of Jesus. Yes and amen, but, but that's not it. Man, we've been commissioned to do what? To do this, to be ministers of reconciliation. To take the blessed hope of the gospel to the world, to the nations, to, to make known the love of our life. That's what we've been commissioned with. That's what we've been given to be ministers. It's not the professional staff that's paid. No, no, no. It's that's what blows my mind about the church is that we think we've done something if we gather here in this room on a Sunday morning. have been given a ministry. See, that's what makes it so beautiful about this morning. Teachers, I, I don't, and I know it's easy for me because, I mean, they can come after me if they want. They're not going to get anything, but they can come after me if they want. But the board can't do nothing to me. The government can't do nothing to me. Nobody can touch me. Why? Because I'm found in Christ. Same thing for you. And that's what, that's what I love about that man's heart. And I know that there's many more of you in this room that's the exact same way that you're going to share and you're going to do it tactfully and you're going to do it right and you're going to try to abide by the best you can. Why? Because you don't want to just be thrown out and you want to have opportunity to influence. And I get that. Yeah, but you're going to share and you're going to tell and you're going to let known. And, and you've got like cute little creative ways. I, I know y'all. And, and listen, my kids are fair game. It, it, the, kindergarten and fourth grade, and they are fair getting used the heck out of those preacher's kids. Brody, what? Uh, and, 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 I, and I, like, I do this stuff to kind of like prepare them, to, to set them up a little bit, and I try to teach them, what, what's, what, what's the love of your life? And he'll go, ah, no, you, you said that you were a believer, dude. 
What should be the love of your life? Jesus. So I mean, ask him, what's the love of their life? And okay, now we've got a conversation going. The kid started it, not me. He said Jesus, not me. Now let's jump on that train and ride it, baby. You know what I'm saying? All the way to the station. I mean, I can get Franklin over there for you for an altar call, and he can play some keys, and we can make this speed down me. I am good with it. Why? Because we're ministers of reconciliation. We take the gospel. We've given the... And, and church, what a privilege. What a privilege and honor it is. That God has called us to that. That God has invited us to be a part of that. To tell people about his son. I mean, I've got, I've got to do some pretty cool things in my life, and I've got to see some things, and I've got to go to some places, and I've got to do... That's what we've been given. He's given us that responsibility of telling the world about him. Man, there's so many different ways that we can do that. There's so many different ways that we can do that. There's so many different platforms. There's so many different opportunities. An amazing opportunity in 2021 that has never been there before. To share the gospel. Now, I don't mean we need to be like, like the Holy Spirit police and run after everybody and like, like jump on every little thing. And, and hear me, that, the, the most cowardly way that we can do that is through social media and behind, the, behind a computer screen. I mean, if you don't love somebody enough to go to them face to face and have that conversation and share with them about, man, maybe that post was a little uh, hairy. I mean, whatever in the heck you were doing in that picture over there maybe isn't the most God-honoring. If you don't love them enough to do that face-to-face, then don't do it. Just be quiet and you just pray and let the Holy Spirit work and do until you can get enough boldness to do that and love them enough and care for them enough to go to them like that. I mean, we've got a great opportunity and a great responsibility and to share the gospel and the platforms that we have to do that. But with that also comes great accountability. Because the moment that we mess up, man, the world's waiting to pounce, are they not? And you know what? I say let them pounce because if you knew me this week like Jesus knew me this week, you would have not gathered in this place. That's all I'm saying. But because because this boy up here is broken and busted and he is still trying to kill some of that flesh that's in there, and he is still growing and moving and learning, and I am by nowhere near where I need to be, and I know that, which all the while makes me more dependent, which all the while will make you more dangerous. Because a satisfied man gets fat, a desperate man gets dangerous. We want to be dangerous. And the way that we're dangerous is we stay desperate, and we understand where we get our strength and our source and our supply from. But we've been given and called to the message, giving the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, and so as a result of all that we've just read and we've looked at and uh, what was said about being a new creation and this reality of reconciliation, uh, now you are this and to do this. Therefore, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So the role of the believer is that of a messenger representing a king, uh, the king of heaven with the gospel who pleads with the people of the world to be reconciled to God. That's what he's given us for. That's what an ambassador is. We go and stand on behalf of and we plead and we urge and we beg. When was the last time we acted like that church? When was the last time we were desperate for the soul of man? See, my problem is, is we think that hell's got like a temperature gauge down there and we kind of turn it down a little bit. Or if we just sit on our blessed assurance, we'll kind of forget about it and let it drift away till we get to glory and then we'll never have to think about it again. 
The problem with the church today is we forgot how real and how hot and how horrific hell is. And hell is not horrific because there's fire and there's gnashing of teeth and there's, there's all of that stuff going on. Hell is horrific because there's the absence of God. And we don't get that. We can't fully comprehend what that will be like and what that means. And it, it is the worst second, the worst second of your life here on planet earth is woefully short of the reality of eternity separated from God. And we as the church have forgotten. We as the church have got it. See, this ghost thing comes out, man, and hell gets hot and it gets real. And, and that's what happens because we as the church today in, in, in modern America, I want to make it all fluffy and nice and good and palatable. And we don't want to offend or upset or disrupt. You got to get over that junk. The gospel is offensive. Why? Because it tells you the truth about you. It tells you how horrific and awful you are. And you are every bit of it. So am I. And that's what's so glorious about the good news. For there to be good news, there's got to be bad news. And the bad news is you are nasty, no good, broken, sinful, rebellious enemies of the cross. But in God's love through his son, Jesus Christ, because his hell is that real and eternity is that long. So for our sake, our sake, verse 21, our sake, sinful, rebellious man, enemies of God, for our sake, he made him, him being Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. The reason why God did that to his son. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's where we get our worth. That's where we get our value. That's where we get anything of anything about us. It's through Jesus Christ. God's righteousness is what imputed to us. It's credited to our account. I love the doctrine of justification. I don't know if you're familiar with the doctrine of justification, but I, but I love it. Doctrine is a good, right thing that we should study and we should long for and we should be hungry for because it, it, it paints the picture of God. It gives us a right understanding and knowledge of who God is. And so the doctrine of justification means that we're declared righteous. So when God looks at us as his saints, as his believers, entered in through relationship with Jesus, when, when God looks at us, what he sees is his son. That's what he sees, churches, is us as Jesus. That's what we get. And the wrath of God is poured out on Jesus on that cross. And we as believers, we don't taste of that at all. That's poured out on Christ. But for those who are not born again, they die in their sin, and they will for all eternity taste of the wrath of God. And so this is why we urge. This is why we plead. This is why we beg for the world to turn to God before it's eternally too late. There's not a second chance. There's no holding place. This is it. So as the band comes back up, I believe wholeheartedly this is what God's called us to be about as his church. What he has invited us in, the vision that he has given us as a church, as a people here for today, here in this community, here in this world, is to be about sharing the gospel with this lost world. It's to be about ambassadors for the good news of the gospel. For us to be ministers of reconciliation. And I believe he has commissioned us to go to the ends of the earth. And I believe with everything in me, he's going to see it through. 
And we're going to talk about more how that's going to happen, how that's going to accomplish, because for a room this size to get to the ends of the earth and share the gospel uh, with every single person, and that, that seems daunting. Seems a bit impossible. But I believe God has outlined and has given us a plan and has shown us how that's going to take place, how that's going to work. And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God has stirred in your heart as a result of, but maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And for whatever reason, maybe you gathered in this place unknowing what was going to happen or what was going to be said or how this crazy guy's going to scream at me the whole time. And for whatever reason, I loved it, but I hated it, but I loved it. And that's just the Holy Spirit moving and drawing. And so maybe this morning he has opened up your eyes and your heart to the reality of your need for him. And if that's the case, man, we'll be here. We'd love to talk to you more about what that means and what that looks like for you to believe is a good gift of God. I just want to always beat that into us. Conviction is a good gift. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so if there's conviction for not living out obedience, that is a good gift of the Holy Spirit. And then what do we do is we respond. We move toward in such a way. And respond in such a way. Where we beg God to break our heart and we turn and run back to him. And so if that's happening in your life, do that. If you need somebody encouraged, love when you pray with you, we'll be down here. Some things that we're doing different that I said that we're going to kind of start to change a little bit. We're going to have two songs that we're just going to have the opportunity just to proclaim the reality of his name and who he is and what he has done. And in that time, the thing I love about, about worship is worship is always responsive. Again, this is, this is not a spectator thing that you just come and just watch this good band and watch this crazy guy scream at you and just see how crazy it gets next week. That's not what this is about. This is an invitation for God's people to be a part of. And so we, we want to set that up like that in this place this morning. And from now on. And so what we've got is we've got the crosses here with cards. And if there's things on your heart that you want, you want us to know about that we can pray for you about, those cards are there. And we'll take those. And here in a few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to have a prayer place out here. And we're going to post those. So we as a church can begin to pray. And we can take those and look at those. So there's, there's prayer prayer places here. There's communion in the back. We're not going to take that corporately this morning as the body, but if you individually say, man, God has stirred in my heart, and yes, and I don't care what your background is, this isn't a, this, this denomination, or that. this is a conviction of the guy standing on this stage this morning, that we need to have opportunities to respond in worship, and taking communion is worship. And it's us pro- morning in this place. If he's convicted, if he's drawing, whatever he's doing, you listen to his voice, and you follow hard after church for us this week may we be ambassadors may we be ministers of reconciliation may we take the very hope that we have in us and share it with this world so as you start back to school man great responsibility but you know what it's not just for teachers as we go back to work tomorrow morning man we have got the great responsibility students as you go to class this coming week man you've got the great responsibility of showing your classmates who Jesus Christ is and you do it with the help of the Holy Spirit and you let him do the work Father, we love you. We need you. Jesus, move in this place this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for the hope that is found only in a relationship with Christ. God, do work in this place this morning, I pray in your name. Amen.